Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst Glenn Kirshner. Glenn's prediction of a Trump indictment is finally happening. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. So friends, Donald Trump just had a really bad 24 hours. These three stories just broke in rapid succession. First from NBC New York, New York City security preparations underway for possible Trump indictment as soon as next week. This from the Daily Beast, Trump's lawyer pledges ex-president will turn himself in if indicted. And then this from CNN. Trump attorney ordered to testify before grand jury investigating former president. And that article begins, in a monumental ruling Friday, a federal judge ordered Donald Trump attorney Evan Corcoran to provide additional testimony as part of an investigation into the former president's handling of classified documents, a source familiar with the matter told CNN. Corcoran has the potential to become one of the most crucial witnesses in special counsel Jack Smith's criminal investigation into possible mishandling of classified records after the Trump presidency and obstruction of justice. District Judge Beryl Howell said in an order under seal that Justice Department prosecutors have met the threshold for the crime fraud exception for Corcoran, the sources said. Okay, friends, let's talk about these three stories. Now, the first two are self-explanatory. In New York, there are law enforcement preparations underway in anticipation of Trump being indicted next week. And once he's indicted, he has to be brought to the jurisdiction, presented to the court, and arraigned on the indictment. Arraignment is a technical legal term. It is the first appearance after you've been indicted so the court can put you on notice of what the grand jury is indicting you for, what you're being charged with, what you will have to defend against come trial. How about the second story? Donald Trump's attorney has pledged that Donald Trump will appear voluntarily. No need to come lock him up. No need to put handcuffs on him. No need for a perp walk. Well, that seems to be the only reason Donald Trump's attorney said, no, no, he will show up when you want, where you want. He will self-surrender so he can be booked and then presented to the court, arraigned on the indictment. It seems like the only reason Donald Trump is doing that is because he wants to avoid photographs of him in handcuffs being perp walked. I, for one, have never been a fan of the perp walk. Yes, it can feel very satisfying for somebody who has been committing crimes against the United States of America, against we the people for years. It can be very satisfying to see him in cuffs, but 
I'm not a fan of the perp walk. I frankly think we should be above that. But I think that's why Donald Trump's lawyer said, no, 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 he'll turn himself in. No need to come get him. Now, mind you, he will still be booked. He will be booked by the police. What does booking involve? Filling out a lot of police forms, getting background information about Donald Trump, and taking mug shots and fingerprints. So he can avoid the perp walk. Perhaps he can avoid pictures of him in handcuffs. That remains to be seen. But there will be mug shots taken of Donald Trump, and I have a feeling those will be released fairly promptly. But I really want to turn to the third story. It's a, it's a more substantive story. Chief Judge Beryl Howell in federal court in D.C. ordered Evan Corcoran, one of Donald Trump's criminal defense attorneys, to testify about Donald Trump's documents crimes at Mar-a-Lago. Judge Beryl Howell ruled that way because she concluded there was enough evidence that Donald Trump and Evan Corcoran were either involved in crime together or Donald Trump was using Evan Corcoran unwittingly in furtherance of his Donald Trump's crimes. So there are now kind of two ways that an Evan Corcoran grand jury appearance can go. First of all, the article says this is a monumental ruling. It is pretty monumental because rarely do we try to go after the attorney who's representing the defendant, the attorney who's representing the target of the grand jury investigation, and try to get that attorney to testify about the crimes of the client or about the statements made by the client. Why? Because there is this broad, overarching attorney-client privilege that ordinarily prosecutors can't pierce, we can't violate, we can't break through unless we have evidence that the client and the attorney have been engaged in criminal conduct together in one way or another. Beryl Howell said, yep, I've made that finding. The attorney-client privilege yields, it is pierced, and Evan Corcoran has to testify. Here are the two ways this can now go. If Evan Corcoran was complicit in Donald Trump's crimes, Evan Corcoran knew full well that what he was doing was in furtherance of Donald Trump's crimes, then I would fully expect Evan Corcoran to go into the grand jury now that he's been ordered that there's no attorney-client privilege preventing him from testifying, but he will go in there and he will plead the fifth. He will invoke his own Fifth Amendment right against self-incriminations for his criminal conduct. That is still a viable privilege. The attorney-client privilege goes away, but Evan Corcoran, under those circumstances, if he knows he did something wrong, could still plead the fifth. What happens if Evan Corcoran pleads the fifth? Well, the Department of Justice has a decision to make. One of two ways to go, Jack Smith and his team. They can try to prosecute Evan Corcoran for his crimes, if they think they have enough evidence to do that or they can grant him immunity. Because if you grant somebody immunity, that extinguishes that person's Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination because his statements can't be used against him if you immunize him. If I had to bet a dollar, 
I'm not a high roller, that's my betting limit. I would bet one buck that if push comes to shove, the Department of Justice, Jack Smith's team, may very well immunize Evan Corcoran. Why? Because he is small potatoes. But if we can use his immunized testimony to prove Donald Trump committed crimes, that to me seems more important and more valuable than being able to charge, indict, prosecute Evan Corcoran for whatever crimes he may have committed in furtherance of assisting Donald Trump in his criminal conduct. Here's the other way it could go. Let's assume that Evan Corcoran didn't know he was doing anything wrong. Whatever he said to the Department of Justice when he was certifying that all of the classified documents had been turned over, which turned out to be a stone-cold lie, it was false, it was untrue, because thereafter the FBI secured a search warrant and found hundreds of classified documents in Donald Trump's office, in Donald Trump's drawers, in storage rooms at Mar-a-Lago. Let's assume Evan Corcoran honestly believes that he was provided information that he thought was truthful, even though it turned out to be false. Therefore, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't know he was facilitating a crime. Then he doesn't have to plead the fifth, does he? He doesn't have to get immunity, does he? He can go in and testify. He can say, I didn't think I did anything wrong because Donald Trump told me X, Y, and Z, and I relied on that in good faith. And then he also becomes a valuable witness against Donald Trump. Evan Corcoran has no way to turn where he doesn't end up either being prosecuted if he committed crimes or being a valuable witness who incriminates his former client, Donald Trump. Why do I say former client? Because Evan Corcoran, of necessity, has to quit Team Trump. He has to withdraw from representing Donald Trump. Why? He is now conflicted. He has dual loyalties. One of his loyalties is to his client, Donald Trump, but he now has to protect himself because now he may be facing prosecution. Anytime an attorney has conflicted loyalties, dual loyalties to protect the client and to protect him or herself, they must withdraw from representation. So the next thing we may see is Evan Corcoran quitting Team Trump. Now, so much of this, friends, is sort of behind closed doors because it all involves grand jury matters, which are secret, right? Hidden from public view unless and until there are some things that sort of erupt publicly, public court filings or leaks. So yes, we're kind of reading tea leaves here, but the tea leaves are painting a pretty vivid picture about what's going on. And what's going on is Donald Trump is in trouble because his own lawyer is ultimately going to be either prosecuted or forced to incriminate Donald Trump. And that's a good thing because justice matters. Heating up, friends. Feels like accountability is just around the corner, at least the first step in the direction of accountability criminal indictments.
Coming up next, after the first indictment for Trump in New York, will that lead to more charges being filed for other crimes he's committed? This is Justice Matters. Beowulf here with Justice Matters, and I am loving the warmer weather and the sunnier skies. It makes you want to get out and move and get healthy. And you can help yourself get healthy and meet your wellness goals with no prep, no mess meals from Factormeals.com. There's a whole menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat in a well-balanced way. What's my favorite? I love the jalapeno lime cheddar chicken with spicy cilantro cauliflower rice. So flavorful and healthy, too. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash glen50 and use code glen50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's glen50 at factormeals.com slash glenn 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factormeals.com slash glen50. Go there. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. With multiple charges coming for Donald Trump, is it possible that some prosecutors are waiting to charge him so they won't have to be the first? Here's Glenn. So friends, if the criminal investigations of Donald Trump were an action-adventure movie, we would now be in the car chase scene careening toward the climax. You know, given that both District Attorney Fawny Willis's criminal investigation of Donald Trump and District Attorney Alvin Bragg's criminal investigation of Donald Trump are nearing the end stages. Discussion has turned to which jurisdiction will be the first to indict Donald Trump. In recent days, we've seen headlines like Stormy Daniels meets with prosecutors as Trump inquiry nears end. And this from one of the grand jurors who sat for eight months listening to evidence about the crimes of Donald Trump and his criminal associate, that grand juror said regarding what's about to come out, it's going to be massive. It's going to be massive. So now, friends, perhaps understandably, part of the discussion has turned to the question of which jurisdiction will be the first one to indict Donald Trump? Will it be New York? Will it be Georgia? Will it be District Attorney Alvin Bragg? Will it be District Attorney Fawny Willis? Who will be the first to indict 
for the first time in our nation's history, a former president of the United States? We don't know the answer to that question, but here's why it really doesn't matter, friends. Regardless of who goes first, I can all but promise you other indictments will quickly follow. So friends, let's talk about why that is. And I'm gonna use my own personal experience as a prosecutor in Washington, D.C. To, to illustrate the point. There were times when I would be investigating somebody as kind of the target of my grand jury's investigation because I knew that person committed crimes in Washington, D.C. But that same defendant may have also committed crimes up in Maryland or across the river in Virginia. So you have multiple prosecutors investigating the same defendant. There are a number of issues that come into play when you have multiple prosecutors investigating the same defendant. First of all, prosecutors are not monolithic, but we are generally a, a fairly competitive bunch. Sometimes there is an urge to want to be the first one to prosecute somebody if you know other jurisdictions are also looking at that person. But there's actually sort of an opposite phenomenon that is often at play. You may be looking at your case and you may think your case is not necessarily as strong as the case being investigated by one of those other prosecutors in Maryland, in Virginia. So maybe you are hoping and expecting that one of those other prosecutors will be the first one to bring charges. Now, I would like to think, and it was certainly my practice, to coordinate you know, fully and often and openly with my fellow prosecutors around the DMV region to take the most sort of thoughtful, overarching approach to somebody who may have been out there committing crimes in my jurisdictional backyard, up in Maryland, out in Virginia. But prosecutors don't always necessarily coordinate with one another. But often you might wait for another jurisdiction to be the first one to prosecute somebody. Why? Well, it may be that if you feel like your case isn't especially strong, once the defendant is indicted, is being prosecuted in another jurisdiction, it sort of gives you a little bit of a safety net. And then you can bring a case that maybe isn't the world's strongest case because you feel like, okay, I can work my case, I can indict the defendant, and I can sort of be secure knowing that in the event mine doesn't work out, he's already indicted in Maryland or Virginia. Now friends, let's talk about how those dynamics might play out. When the person who's out there committing crimes in multiple jurisdictions is a former president of the United States. In our nation's history, a president has never been criminally indicted, never been prosecuted. So I have said all along, you know, no prosecutor wants to be the first to indict a former president of the United States. There should be a footnote to that assertion because I certainly would be willing to be the first prosecutor to indict a former president of the United States if he committed crimes in violation of the laws of the United States. But 
Having retired from the Department of Justice a few years back, obviously I'm in no position to be that first prosecutor, but I fully understand the feeling that, you know, if I'm the first prosecutor ever to indict a former president, I am going to suffer the white hot glare of the attention of media from around the world. I am perhaps going to put my prosecution team in danger. I mean, just look at how Donald Trump inspires and incites his supporters to violence. Listen, on January 6th, when he wanted his supporters to stop the certification of Joe Biden's win, he urged them to come to D.C. will be wild. He urged them to march on the Capitol. He told them you have to fight like hell or you won't have a country anymore. Then he deployed them, ordering them to stop the steal, stop the certification. So might we expect that when that first prosecutor issues the first indictment charging Donald Trump with crimes, his first post on his third-rate social media platform might look something like, come to New York for my arraignment will be wild. Come to Atlanta for my arraignment will be wild. Let's hope not, but given what we've come to know about Donald Trump's recklessness, so it doesn't surprise me that no prosecutor is perhaps dying to be the first to indict a former president of the United States. But somebody is going to take that maiden legal voyage, and it looks like it really is imminent. Will it be New York? Will it be Georgia? Could it be the feds? Less likely, I believe. But here's the thing. Once the first prosecutor does it, I predict every other prosecutor who knows Donald Trump has committed crimes in his or her jurisdiction, figuratively speaking, in his or her backyard, every prosecutor will want to be in the prosecuting Donald Trump business. Why? First of all, prosecutors are competitive. Not that it's competition with other prosecutors that should drive or do drive our prosecutorial decisions. They don't. But prosecutors are human beings, the vast majority of them. And there is a certain competitive nature of being in the business of holding folk accountable for their crimes, vindicating the rights of victims, protecting the community. And most prosecutors ought to also have a healthy dose of wanting to protect the rights of the defendant, because that's the only way the system works. But there is a certain sense of competition. But even more importantly, many prosecutors are elected to office. What does that mean? Well, that means they want to run for re-election. They want to get re-elected. And in order to do that, they have to serve their constituents well and faithfully. Right? They have to win the trust of the voters in their jurisdiction. They have to do the kind of job that will inspire the voters to re-elect them. So when it comes to District Attorney Alvin Bragg and District Attorney Fawny Willis, you know, you can't divorce their work from the fact that they are elected officials who may very well want to run for re-election. Hopefully they don't let that overshadow the nature of their work, but it's a consideration. So you can bet 
when one prosecutor jumps out and indicts Donald Trump, other prosecutors who are elected officials and may want to run for re-election will naturally say to themselves, I have the goods on Trump too. He committed crimes in my jurisdictional backyard. You know, he victimized the people in my jurisdiction, so I'm going to need to bring charges too. Now, some might say, but that doesn't really apply to the feds, right? Because federal prosecutors aren't elected. True enough, we aren't elected. We are, we're hired. I was hired by my first U.S. attorney, Eric Holder, who gave me a shot, and I will always stand on his shoulders, gave me a shot at being a federal prosecutor. He took a chance on a gutter kid from Jersey. I would like to think he believes it paid off. But we're not elected. So we're not directly responsible to the voters. But we are part of an organization that is in place. The Department of Justice is in place to, in a very real sense, represent the interests of the American people in criminal prosecutions. It's not a, an attorney-client kind of representation, but when I stood up in court every day and said, good morning, Your Honor, Glenn Kirshner for the United States, I was representing the interests of the people of the United States. So I felt pressure to get it right, to do it honorably and aggressively in an appropriate way to vindicate the rights of victims, to bring charges in a timely manner to protect the community. I felt pressure to do all that. And even though federal prosecutors aren't elected officials, let's face it, our ultimate boss, the attorney general, is in a sense hired by the president and can be fired by the president. So. Yeah, the federal prosecutors are sort of responsible not only to the American people, but ultimately to the attorney general who's responsible to the president of the United States. So, yes, there are these dynamics at play. When one indictment is brought, other indictments are almost sure to follow and to follow pretty quickly. But friends, regardless of which jurisdiction is the first to indict, and regardless of how quickly subsequent indictments come, once a president of the United States is indicted, it will be a new day in America. Why do I say that? Well, once a former president is indicted for his crimes, no president in the future will be able to rest easy in the belief that he or she can commit crimes with impunity. And let's end with this. President Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon for his crimes against the United States, for his crimes against we the people. And Gerald Ford said he was doing it to heal the nation. You know what? In my 30 years as a prosecutor, I never once said to a victim, you know what I'm going to do? You know how I'm going to help you heal? I'm going to decline to prosecute the person who attacked you, who assaulted you, who stole from you, who victimized you. I'm going to help you heal by declining to prosecute your perpetrator. That is a cruel joke. 
That is a perversion of justice. And it looks like it's about to end. With the indictment, for the first time in our nation's history, of a criminal president. It will be a new day. Because justice matters. Friends, as always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon. For more on Glenn, go to Glenn Kirshner 2 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. This is Justice Matters.